hit me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for... Suckatash. Yes, Suckatash, the comedy soundcast, soundcast featuring snippets from comedy... Soundcast. And also interviews with comedians, comedian soundcasters, and other showbiz folk. And now, here's your host, internationally recognized comedy soundcast, soundcaster, Mark... Hershon. Mark Hershon. Yes, it's true. I am Mark Hershon, your every other weekly host for Suckatash, the comedy soundcast soundcast. You've latched on to episode 264. Now, if you're looking for episode 263, that was last week's installment with our alternating host, Tyson Sainer. Entitled Flippin' Hot Comedy Clips, it featured snippets from comedy soundcasts Pretending with Dice, I Said No Gifts, and Doughboys. You can still grab it from Apple or Google Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audible, SoundCloud, or our own home site at SuckatashShow.com. I am dispensing with clips for this week's show to instead chat up an old friend and former roommate of mine, a longtime San Francisco stand-up comedian, a former TV reporter, and now a painter too, Mark Pitta. Mark moved from the Bay Area to Las Vegas last year, a month before the pandemic lockdown, and we catch up on all sorts of things, including what he's watching, what's pissing him off, how comedy has changed in recent years, and some showbiz anecdotes. Mark and I chatted a long time ago, back on uh, episode five. Episode five. That's right. Ten plus years ago. And uh, so it was great to catch up with him. I mean, we certainly talk all the time, but that's the first time he's been back on the show, I think. So we chatted for a long time this time around. You're getting a double-stuffed episode of Succotash this time around. Plus, we have a new feature at the end of the show, since no one seems too excited about calling us at the Succotash hotline these days. We're expanding the use of that number, 818-921-7212, and it is now the Succotash and Runaway Truck Ramp Hotline. We'll see if anyone has any status updates on the runaway truck ramps on the highways and byways around America. This episode is brought to you by Henderson's Pants New Sleepover Slacks, a great pair of pants to be wearing if your significant other, roommates, or parents toss you out on your ass. Let's listen as our announcer Bill Haywatt tells us more, and then we'll jump right into my convo with Mark Pitta. Hey friends, Bill Haywatt here. You know, with the summer months just around the corner, that means nights spent with buddies out under the stars, or sometimes just passed out next to your car. Whatever the occasion, it's always the right night for a pair of Henderson sleepover slacks. Whether you're crashing at a friend's place or getting your carnal fix with a one-night stand, Henderson sleepover slacks are just the ticket to making sure that you get as good a night's sleep as you can while still waking up refreshed and raring to go. No matter if you're heading back to work or making that walk of shame back home by the harsh but cleansing light of day. Sleepover slacks feature an outer layer that unzips to form a snug sleeping bag with a built-in eye shade so you can catch some extra winks. And there's a removable, disposable inner liner that wicks away moisture and filth and whatever from your skin so you can unpeel it, throw it away, and face the world without needing a shower the next day. The nylon zipper doubles as a removable tooth and hairbrush, and the sleepover slacks double stitching can be plucked out a bit at a time to be used as dental floss so that you're looking as perky as can be for that big important meeting or facing the spouse. What's more, Henderson sleepover slacks are unisex, designed for both men and women who care to leave the very best impression when it comes to living indiscriminate lifestyles. Originally designed for train conductors, flight attendants, and United States congressmen, Henderson sleepover slacks are available wherever fine bedding and or camping supplies are sold. That's Henderson's letting you get into our pants since 1849. And now back to the groovy sounds of Succotash. Our guest is Mark Pitta. That, that's all I need to say. Our guest is Mark. We don't Mark know why. 
Well, because you and I were texting the other day and I didn't have a guest yeah. and I didn't want to clip any episode, any shows for this next episode. So, oh, that's more work. Yeah. And I had just heard you on Dana's podcast and I go, wow, if I can score a get like Mark Pitta, because he, he was on Dana Carvey's podcast. Do you, are you have a theme show? Is this a theme show of all unemployed comedians? Is this what you're doing? <laughs> Boy, this, you'd have a very short segment because there'd be a lot of people to get on. There's yeah, one. actually, it's, it, it should be called Comedians Who Rather Get Unemployment Than Work. <laughs> hey, I put, I put all that money in. I might as well get some back. What's, what's the year of no performing happened? I got so used to it. Yeah. I started... To, to do another creative outlet, which is painting. I buy canvases, some paint, paintbrushes, smoke a joint, put on some music and see what happens. And I'm enjoying what I'm doing. Well, you could be making money if you were still in San Francisco because you'd just go down to Pier 39 and just offer to paint people's characters. Oh, oh you don't think uh, I will have a gallery showing? Oh, interesting. Oh, no, I think you will. I think you will. Oh, I will. I'm not. It's not caricatures, Mark. In fact, I can't do faces, which actually made me try to paint in a totally different way. And I created a, a new way of painting for myself. I kind of compa compare this to w Andy Warhol mm -hmm. used to take photographs, trace them and then paint them. Now, what I'm doing, I'm doing the same thing, but I don't have a tracing machine like Andy Warhol, um, which is funny because I was reading this diary and Keith Haring came over. Can I borrow your trace machine? And Andy writes, now he knows I have one. <laughs> well, it's kind of like cheating. It's very similar to the way I do my editorial cartoons every week for the Half Moon Bay Review newspaper. I, right. I take, yeah, that's a new thing. Yeah. I take Photoshop and I, I like find pictures and put them together in positions I need. If I had models, I would use models, but I don't. So I find, yeah. you know, got people that are in the right positions. And then I use that very sort of uh, faded in the background to then draw over it and draw the characters. in. Yeah. It, and there's no rules when, when you do art, No, you know, that's, what's great about it. I, most of my have come from mistakes. Like, Oh, I made a mistake. I have to completely do a new take on this and it comes out even better. So uh, here, I'll show you my new one. Okay, this will be I great. I know this is not good. This yeah, is this is not good for a podcast. This will be great for the listeners, but what I'll have you do is take a picture of it. Oh, okay. And well, then I can't, is that, can yeah, you see I can, it? I can get a good look at it. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, that's uh, Once Upon a Time in the West. Uh, oh, I love opening it. Opening scene, and I went and I, uh, with, with clouds, and then since this is a podcast, there were cumulus clouds. They were puffy. Oh, okay. And then I said, no, I need to be more surreal and more colorful. You know, it's, this podcast, know, they've already turned this podcast off talking about You know, we actually, call, we actually call this a sound cast, though, Mark, if you'll just kind of indulge us. That's kind of our, okay. our name for it. Uh, I'm actually looking back in history right now on, online. And do you realize that you were, our, you were my guest and co-host of episode five of Succotash 10 years ago? Was that... And the San Francisco Bay Area at Sketchfest? That was just in the Bay Area. It was in Joe Polino's studio in Sausalito. Oh, that's right. I do remember. Oh, yes, because he had a really cool bathroom with 45s. That's right. Stuck on the floor. He had 45 records stuck on the floor and like embossed. That was nice. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. art. So, yeah, you were you were episode five guest co-host, Mark Pena. Good memories. Um, yeah. <laughs> I have a... Well, let's go to the news, Mark. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and Christopher Guest have announced that their son is now their daughter. Uh, they have a transgender child, and they said it was great to see the transition from our son to Ruby, our daughter. Wow, really? And that must be a that, yeah, that must be a difficult decision to either go with your true identity or take a pay cut. And I think that <laughs> it was nice that he uh, wanted to be a woman. Interesting, interesting. That must be fresh. I've not seen even seen that yet. That was on Yahoo News. I don't oh, okay. know if they're reputable, but they're reputable. I think, yeah, I, th I think they're reputable enough. It was an article of, uh, in ARP, ARP magazine that Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, okay, all right. That's where they took uh, it from. Mark Pitta, um, a former Bay Area comedian. Well, he's still a Bay Area comedian. I mean, I will always be one. Yeah, you don't know where live, you live, but you don't live in the Bay Area. But you were, you were. This is where you cut your teeth. As they used to I was say. asked to leave, Mark. Get to it. I was asked to leave <laughs> the after, Bay Area. After many And years. the people who asked me were the same people 
who want property tax from you. <laughs> I think you know what I'm talking about. I do know what you're talking about. Uh, so, but you moved to, um, you moved there, what, oh, like about a, a little over a year ago, almost a year and a half ago. I moved to Las Vegas in February of 2009, uh, 2020, and in March was the pandemic. And they said, don't come back. They said, you got yes. there, now we're locking everything down. It's like you left the house and they changed the locks. Yeah, it's, it's sad because I did, like I said, you know, I did get used to not working. And I enjoy myself on stage, but I hate prepping. Mm. And I was asked to do a show the other day. I said, you know, I'm going to wait till September when my unemployment runs out because I don't want to gear up for a show and then not have another show for another three months. Yeah. So it's probably a, it's what everybody's going through. I hear this a lot from fellow comedians that they were nervous they wouldn't be funny anymore. I mean, it's the fear that, are, that creeps up on you because when you don't work, it's like going to the gym and being off for six months, you go, oh my God, I can't even lift that weight anymore. But then in three weeks, you'll be able to lift it. So that's what, that's what comedy is. Yeah. How, what is the apprehension? Working the muscle. What is the apprehension of getting back into it after the pandemic? Um, I don't know if my answer is going to be the same as others, but I am sick of hearing my act. <laughs> and to gear up and hear it again, I'm like, oh, I wish I could just write another 45. And all I have is three new jokes. I don't know why I'm trying to be Albert Brooks right now. I have three new jokes. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> I'm out of material. Uh, the other joke is the player for the, uh, I call them the Oakland Raiders of Las Vegas. And I think that's how they should be billed. Nice. Um, they had a defensive end uh, come out as gay. The first NFL player, active player, to come out as gay and make no mistake though he still throws like a girl <laughs> now that joke would be canceled today but i'm gonna throw it right back in their face and go he's a defensive end they can't throw where they can't throw where's exactly. your mind going you cancel culture freaks can't right. on the edge of your seat try to cancel me uh does the cancel the cancel culture thing piss you off in general it pisses me off but also i i i see the point I mean, I don't like it when a comedian tells a long joke and the punchline is, bitch. Right. I mean, there's no, well, you could put that on any joke. Yes. I mean, you, you're not clever enough to write an ending, bitch. I mean, you see it or, uh, you know, fuck. You know, it's all the words we use, the safety nets, like, oh, this joke, this joke doesn't work. I'm not, I haven't tested this joke. I'm a little apprehensive. I better, I better put the word fuck in, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's how it works. And try to do jokes with the word fuck. Try to do them without the word fuck and see what your batting average is. What about just the uh, the idea that things have become super uh, politically correct, let alone the, can the cancel culture thing, but just do you feel like you can kind of get away with what you used to be able to do jokes about even 10 years ago? Well, I'm lucky that I always wrote an act that was evergreen, that I didn't have to rely on, oh, I hope they read the paper today. Right. So, and then Jay Leno gave me a, a note way back in the 80s. Yeah, yeah, if you work clean, you get on TV faster. That's what you do. Just work clean, just get on TV. And I just got into a habit of working clean. And then I, when I did live news for five years at, uh, at the Fox affiliate KTVU, I learned not to swear on camera. So my act became don't swear, be clean. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't have to deal with the political correctness, but um, now it's it's very fuzzy. It's like you don't know what's not going to get a laugh because of the words you choose. Let's go through them. Retard. Yes. Cunt. These are words that comedians use. I don't yes. use those. Yeah. But I mean, these are words that are not going to be accepted and, and and fine. Who cares? That's fine. Yeah. Well, there's always um, a there's always a, a substitute that can be made. I have a wholly different problem. I, my problem is words that I can't stand anymore. It's not their swear words or phrases. Now you're a namer. I have a question for you. You notice how words change like back in my sister's days. Uh, oh, he's so tough. That means he's cool. Or he's so boss. That means he's cool. Well, cool has lasted, but now it's other things. He's, you know, he's the bomb. So my question to you is, is there a, an announcement like this is now the word being used when a CD is released? You say dropped. You don't say released. I mean, is there an announcement? There's no, no announcement. But as a, uh, a uh, fabulous uh, linguist who used to be the chair of linguistics at Stanford told me, a guy named Will Laban, he said, English is uh, a living language and it's always changing.
And so it's really kind of the, I don't want to call them tastemakers or influencers, but there are certain people in certain positions that when they use a new word, people start picking up on it, whether it's drop. I mean, I talk about the soundcast, you know, we drop on Tuesdays now. I wouldn't have used, yeah. wouldn't have used that 12 years ago uh, or even five years ago, probably. So where did it come from? You could probably trace it back. And there were probably some obscure uses that never caught on of saying it. But then one person who was the right person maybe used it at a conference or something. And all of a sudden it became the big buzzword. I think that's nifty. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's swank. I, I think it's the cat's pajamas. I think it's the bee's knees. Oh shit. I think How, where did that come I, from? Who had bees? I think, well, and again, you know, what's funny about that is no one uses it, but people remember that was a phrase. People yes. don't remember tough was, she's so tough, you know. Um, what I don't, what I don't want, I want phrases removed. I am so sick of this phrase, Mark. I'm so sick of it. Soundcast, podcast. I'm sick of it when people tell stories and I'm sick of it in periodicals. I'm sick of the phrase. Oh, this was before cell phones. Okay. We get it. Are you, are you telling the story to a 12 year old? Because I get, I know what life was like before cell phones. You don't have to keep saying it. Oh, you had an answer machine. What the hell's that? My, my favorite thing that was like that was I was watching, uh, uh, some movie with uh, with my grandkids who at the time were like seven and five years old. We were watching, I think we were watching It's a Wonderful Life. And they wanted to know what the world was like before there was color. And I said, oh, you mean color yeah, film? Yeah. No, no, color. They actually thought the world was in black and white at one time. Oh, show them Pleasantville. They'll freak <laughs> out. Exactly. <laughs> Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz. Oh, yeah. They do that shit. Yeah. That's another, that's another thing I can't stand. If you're listening to a podcast about movies and they're talking about, say, I don't know, The Godfather, spoiler alert, you don't have to say that. We've all <laughs> seen it 25 times. <laughs> These are things that are bugging me, Mark, as you can tell. No, I can tell it. Where, where was I hearing spoiler alert the other day where it was just, you don't have to say it anymore. It's, you're talking, oh, it was, we're, we've both been guests on this show, Monster Party, and they're constantly oh, yes. doing spoiler alerts. Like somebody, oh. they have to warn somebody about a 45 year old monster movie. <laughs> well, they had a game on Monster Party once where it was say a line from a movie and guess the movie. And Larry thinks he was clever saying it was Beauty Who Killed the Beast. I mean, it's like, Larry, please. We know that movie. It was King Kong. Come on. Uh, yeah. Spoiler alert's got to be dropped when because it ruins the I get it. I get it. I get it. Spoiler. But you're talking about an old film. OK, moving on. What else? What moving on. Film? Here's another one I can't stand. Yes. You got this. <laughs> one time i was having trouble with some some issue and my friend goes you got this i said no i don't that's why i'm asking for help <laughs> i don't have this help me <laughs> uh, my sister still uses happy camper I, I give her a pass she's never gonna stop yeah. uh kick ass and take names oh you want me to be physical and do the paperwork okay fine <laughs> let's drop these I like that. I, I've been trying to bring older phrases back in my everyday conversation. Like I call a lot of friends chum. Oh, you know, just be, and, I, and I've, I've got younger friends who go, what, what do you mean chum? I, yeah. I go, well, it used to mean like friend or pal. I go, oh, what's a pal? Yeah, it's like, oh man. Yeah, it's a pal. Oh, well, that's the funny thing about uh, asshole and pal. It, they're reversed. You call your friends, hey, asshole, come on over. You, you, come on, you're late. And you call a, a guy you don't like, hey, pal, what's hey, your listen, problem? Pal, yeah, pal or pally. Hey, pally. Yeah, that's very Dean Martin, but hey, pally. <laughs> what else drives I like you? this subject. Of, what else drives, drives me crazy with what words? Is, and yes. Um, uh, it's not a word, and I, and I know we're on a, a soundcast, but I'm going to do it for it's a visual. And this, I can't stand this anymore, Mark. I cannot stand oh, the heart. Heart people hands. take, yeah, heart. people take their hands and make a heart. Heart hands, yeah. I call it I heart mean, hands. Do that. Do that if you're 50 feet. You know, you can't even. No one can hear you if you scream, <laughs> but they can see that. That's good. But don't do it every. Uh, okay, I'm just done with that. I I don't think oh, I'm getting riled up. I don't think I've ever sincerely done hard hands to anybody ever. No, 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 never. No. Remember, no. I used to do a bit way back in the day. I used to do, 
I just do a bit on this topic. And then how do how does the right person, like you say, say a word and everybody picks up on it? I wanted to make flipping somebody off in traffic mean have a nice day. <laughs> and it never never caught on. Never caught on. Because it's like when Dana says, you know, somebody cuts them off in traffic instead of honking, goes, fantastic. What I do is I want to flip them off. Go, That's a, have a nice day. You know, I like to wave to them. On. I wave to them like they're a friend. You know where I wave, Mark? I'm glad you brought this up. I'm watching the Giants-Dodger game today. And it's whenever like the center field camera's on and then somebody who's sitting by and on plate waves, I always wave back. <laughs> and I feel like I'm connected to the game a little more. That's true. I do it every time. I'm by myself. Not, I don't judge myself. I don't judge me. Well, that's like when I see people on the kiss cam. I, I turn and kiss who's ever next to me. Just out of yes. and oftentimes I'm alone. Just to do it. I, you don't know what camera they got a two camera shoot. No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what are you watching these days since we watch a lot of TV? Uh, I just uh, well, I was you know, we were talking about Monster Party. I think I told you about this movie, but I saw it on uh, Netflix called um, uh, Blood Red Sky. Okay. It's like the vampire movie. And, uh, oh. but there's some nice twists to it. It's, uh, it's modern. It's modern. It's, um, I don't want to give too much away, but it's um, the, va the vampire is this, uh, this, this mother. She's a mom and she's got, she's flying with her like nine year old son or 10 year old son. Spoiler um, alert. Um, <laughs> but uh, but it, that's just the very beginning of the thing. And uh, things get crazy on the plane. Uh, they're flying at night and uh, there's, uh, there's hijackers on the plane. So the plane's not going where they want to be going. And they're trying to stay where it's dark. Uh, that's, a, that's a screenwriter saying, how can we trap a vampire? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's good. I like that. No one's ever used that. Uh, but then it, it it gets it gets pretty wild. Uh, they they have okay. some fun. They have some fun with the tropes of vampires in it. It's uh, okay. How about you? What are what are you watching? You know, my friend John uh, writes down every movie he sees, gives him stars, and I started doing that. Hmm. And it's fun to look back and go like, wow, I've seen 150 movies this year. Uh, I got the Criterion Channel, and that's ten dollars a month. So I try to watch like six hmm. movies a month off that. And that I'm revisiting sense. some. Uh, some old classics and some I haven't seen. A movie I haven't seen in so long, you just maybe remember kind of what it was about or kind of this or that. It was Desert Hearts, which was a love story between two women. And I couldn't believe how great it was. I mean, I remember it because everybody goes, who's a lesbian scene, you know? Who's in it? Great lines. Uh, Helen Shaver. Okay. Super is, cool. is one. And the other actress is French and I didn't know her name, but the woman who played Mrs. Roper, on oh, Three's yeah. Company is in it. It's a dramatic oh. role. She's really good. Oh, wow. There's a scene where the lesbian uh, lesbian lover comes out of the house and sees her and says, oh, I haven't, I haven't ran into you in years. And she says, yeah, I'm handling it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, getting through that, yeah. Now, let me ask you this. You're, you're writing down these star ratings. Do you ever um, adjust your, your ratings after either you think about it for a while or you rewatch the movie, you go, I should have rated that higher. Or what was I thinking back then? That doesn't deserve that many stars. I just rate them for myself. If I forget the movie and go, did I like this? Nope, apparently not. That's all okay. I rated for. I got my book. Yes. I write down the movies in. Okay. And uh, I never seen like The Hitchhiker, Ida Lupino directed that. The bad guy was the same Hamilton Berger on Perry Mason. He has oh, a lazy yeah. eye, which made him, made him creepy. Nice. Bad Dad, Black Rock. Um, Mikey and Nikki, which I never saw, which I thought was a comedy. It's clearly not. Um, I watched Inside Moves because some, some of it takes place in the Coliseum during a Warriors game back in the oh, day. Okay. All right. And the funny thing about that is my friend John Golosky, I don't think you've ever met him, wrote a book about our mutual friend Steve being a wild, crazy friend. Oh. And he, he, the book dropped and I read it in two days. It was so good. And it's called The, the Manzelli Tales. Tales of a film buff gone wild. Okay. He thinks he was in the movie Inside Moves because he was he was a vendor at the Coliseum. That's why I watched it. But I'm so proud of my friend. He wrote a great book. Pick it up on Amazon. It's but, like ten bucks. But if, if you've all had a friend, if you've all had a wild friend, well, I had to, you know, drive him home drunk, or I had to get him out of jail, or I had to. That's the kind of friend he was. But you couldn't help be around him because he was so charming. It was like having Burt Reynolds as your friend. 
and, you know, but they were, they're ready. There was going to be a brawl. But was he in inside moves? I no, he wasn't. I didn't, I didn't think the body type of the vendors I saw, but he was, and this is amazing. He was cut out of the Godfather two. Oh, really? Because it was too long. Yeah. And then when Coppola re-released it as in chronological order, he was back in. No and it's the scene where Fredo's having, can't control his wife at yeah. the event in Tahoe. Yeah. Fredo, if you don't take care of this, I'm going to have to. So during that scene, the girl, the woman that plays his wife, throws a shoe at Fredo. And it knocks off Fredo onto the ground. My friend Steve picks it up and hands it back to Fredo. Oh. And that's in the movie. Oh. So cool to be in Godfather 2. But uh, nice, yeah. the Manzelli tapes, uh, the Manzelli tales, yeah. Please pick it up. It's so good. Um, what else am I binging as you're asking, right? Oh, uh, here's well, there's, something funny. There's, bin, there's binging and watching. So we're, we're talking about movies, but are there series that you've been binging? Uh, the ones I binged was uh, The Americans. I love the fact that this was popular and then it's been off the air for two years and I'm just now watching it. I watched that. <laughs> and, and okay, that and Bosch on Amazon, which is in the seventh final season. And Bosch yeah. is a cop uh, show about, you know, how meticulously cops have to find and, and capture a guy. Both those shows had the same line. And I'm so proud to say this. I, I want to try to find other shows. It's 2021. And the line is one cop to another, but they want to talk quietly. Okay. Cone of silence. Okay. They say cone of silence. <laughs> it's and against the Americans. Yeah. It's against, it's either Buck Henry or Mel Brooks wrote that. Yes. And the fact that it's still used today, and I don't think people understand where it's from. They just that, think, yeah, you know, stay quiet. Yeah, no, it's a between you and me. It's a cone of silence. Cone of silence. <laughs> I'm just so proud of that. Just being a fan. That's hilarious. Yeah. And uh, I was listening to the, the pilot episode of Get Smart, and Buck Henry does the commentary, and he says, either I thought of the shoe phone and Mel thought of the cone of silence or the, or the reverse. <laughs> we can't remember. Um, oh, that's cool. So that's that. I, I watch a lot of DVDs that have extras, like I watched uh, Defending Your Life. And I think I told you this story, but they thought there was a continuity mistake in Defending Your Life, because the joke is, the waiter says to Albert Brooks, do you like pie? Yeah, I like pie. I'll bring you nine pies. And Albert's like, no, 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 that's too much. That's embarrassing. That's, oh. He brings the nine pies, and they, they're bulky, and it gets a laugh. Next scene, he's walking with Meryl Streep in a hotel with the two boxes of pies. He gets another laugh. He puts them down, has a scene with her. Next scene, he walks into his own hotel room, no pies. No pies. No problem. I'm thinking, yeah, he didn't want the pies. And you can't get a third laugh out of the pie. Right. So people thought it was a continuity mistake. And then there's an extra with Albert Brooks. They go, what about that? And Albert goes, look, you write a movie about the afterlife. You're asking deep questions. You take three years to shoot the movie. You have a screening in Pasadena. And all the comment cards say, what happened to the pies? <laughs> I want to kill myself. I got to rewatch that movie. I love that movie. Oh, I'm going to watch a movie tonight based on watching that movie because they were talking about the afterlife and I never saw Michael Powell's Stairway to Heaven, mm. which was originally called Matter of Life and Death. And just the image of, of uh, the still from that movie was like, oh, I got to see this. No, but no. every afterlife movie, correct me if I'm wrong, if it's Defending Your Life, if it's Heaven Can Wait, if it's... Uh, Jacob's Ladder. Uh, Jacob's like they always say that uh okay you're not going to remember this <laughs> the angel always says that like yes. like oh well I get oh that's well, a ripoff <laughs> what a buzzkill I'm not going to have this power that I know what's beyond that's funny I was just watching a movie just before our interview and I still have the last 11 minutes I haven't seen uh so no spoiler alerts please uh but, what is the uh, movie it's uh called gunpowder milkshake on oh, oh no, I have not seen it. I uh, I saw Tomahawk, a Tomahawk Bone, but I haven't seen. <laughs> I, I saw Tomahawk Bone. I love Tomahawk Bone. Kurt Russell's amazing great. in Tomahawk Bone. He's never bad. He's, he's never, never bad. He's he just, never. I like I like Richard Gere and and uh, and Nick Nolte and maybe not so much Nick Nolte, but it's uh, it's Kurt Russell, Richard Gere, and. Uh, Jeff Bridges. It's like yes. they never seem to make a bad movie, but they're never like Richard Gere is never going to win an Academy Award. But guess what? They mean nothing now if you That's know right. what's happening in film. No, you can't not. make a movie now with with a, without every ethnicity being 
um, represented. What's the word? Represented. represented. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, good luck making sleuth. <laughs> my dinner with Andre. Good luck. I'd love to see them reboot my dinner with Andre. <laughs> now and now, an evening with Mark Twain. With who's <laughs> right See, there's the joke right there, Mark. Yes. That's what we were talking about. That's what you can't do, even as an ad lib. No, no, you can't. And I that. think if you make fun of, of the cancel culture, if you make, if LGBT community can laugh at themselves, then we all win. But I just pick them out because that's what's going on right now. But you know, at, at some point, well, I don't want to predict it, but at some point, I think the tensions will ease when we realize that there's no reason for the hatred that currently stirs the pot. Yeah, if we can make fun and get a laugh and we know it's not gonna result in violence, that's where we're, that's what our goal is. Yeah, I mean, we can't even make fun of other white people now. You know, like we can't make, you know, we can't make fun of, of you know, Republicans from the South or pick whatever, oh re whatever region you want because they're so different and everyone's touchy about everything. Maybe my decision not to work is a good one. <laughs> maybe I don't have to deal it. with this. Maybe, I don't maybe have to just, deal with this. Maybe just kind of lie back and do your paintings. That's, that's a good idea. One good gallery show and we're ahead. Do you miss, let me ask you this, because you've been you've been in, in the Vegas area now for about a year and a half. Do you miss the San Francisco hang? Being able to just- I miss, I miss well, no, because like right now, I could go visit Dave Burley, Monique Marvez, Flip Schultz, Brian Scalaro, all my friends come into town to work. Mm. So it's kind of like three or four Frockmortons in Vegas because there's always people here. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So, so that hang, the hang doesn't matter. I miss the water. I'm really, uh, yeah, I'm an Aquarius and uh, I miss seeing water and the ocean. I mean, there's all man-made stuff here. And of course, Lake yeah. Mead is almost like a pond now. Right. I mean, we're losing water right now. Yeah, yeah. Bitch. Uh, <laughs> I just needed to laugh there, Mark. No, I got you. Made me made me laugh. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> That's called a callback. It's a very strategic thing we do in comedy. <laughs> we wait just the right amount of time to bring it back so they just forget it. Now, you were working cruise ships for a while, and that industry completely disappeared. Ah! Sorry, uh, I got PTSD. Sorry. So you did not enjoy that? I quit, I quit cruise ships before the pandemic. I was sick of them already and, and not so sick of performing in front of a sold out, you know, 800 seat theater where you get a standing ovation and everybody talks to you after you were so great. It's the travel. And it's like the people who make travel arrangements have never traveled. You know, mm -hmm. it's nothing worse than going to the airport and having a five hour layover layover. And you're looking at the monitors. They say San Francisco leaves in, you know, five minutes. <laughs> like, why couldn't I get that flight? Yeah. Ugh! No, I was really the, the uh, I was just not physically able to do it anymore. I mean, it's just the travel was relentlessly insane. I could, I'm trying not to talk about it because uh, mm. you know the worst thing is I had to go to emergency the last cruise I had. Oh, really? And that's when I said, forget this. Oh my god, I was so beat up. Wow. I was taking a shower about an hour before my show, and um, my thumb got caught in the door jam as I was trying to pull my shower, my bathroom door to me, I was holding onto the wall and my thumb slipped in the, ah. the groove and I slammed it and I screamed and I had a show in 45 minutes and I did the show. And of course I have a heart on my sleeve. It's like, I had to tell the audience, guess what I just did. Yeah. And the entire show, my throat was throbbing and it took like five days, I couldn't sleep. Ooh. That was that. Then I realized because I, I, I was naked. I was taking a shower. I, I, I also stubbed my toe. I got a, I got a crooked toe now. It still hurts. <laughs> then I come home and I was on a plane for seven hours, an hour layover, another plane for six hours. And my calves swelled up, which they say when you're on a plane, you got to walk around. Yeah. I was in the window seat and I didn't want to keep bothering people next to me. And they swelled up. My first, my first thought was, well, I got some definition. Look at that. <laughs> I don't work my calves at the gym. And, and then I can't smoke pot for three weeks. I was on, oh, four weeks. I was on the cruise ships. And uh, so when I got home, I realized, oh, I have one pot pill left. Well, that's the pill I normally would cut in half mark. Yeah. I took the whole thing and I had such an anxiety attack. I had to go to an emergency. Oh and by the time I got there, by the time I got there, 
I was so high and the nurse says, what are you in? What are you in there for? I said, I just checked in to see what condition my, my condition <laughs> was in. You know, I'm like, oh, he's high. Let's get him in the other room. And the, and the, and the doctor was smoking hot. And uh, then the nurse, the nurse who brought, who uh, registered me was uh, Miss Morbid. I said, God, I can't believe I'm 61. And I had to put that on the form. She goes, yes, when you get older, everything starts falling apart. Oh I had a child and my child is 30. That makes you feel old. Oh my God. I'm like, I was, I was trying to hold, I was going to laugh so hard because I was high. And the doctor came in and they gave me a pill to calm it down. And she says, because the swelling was in both legs, it's okay. But if it was in one, there would have been a problem. Oh. And it was already back to normal by the time I got there. And then when the doctor left and the nurse came back, I said, that, that doctor was cute. What, what was her name? She goes, uh, she goes, uh, doctor, you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to give her a name. Johnson. And uh, no, it was Dr. Johnson. I said, oh, she was nice. And the nurse goes, and young. <laughs> so the same Mormon nurse. I don't like working graveyard shift. Oh, my God. Oh, it was, it was, you know, I told it on stage not long after that. So that cost me a couple hundred bucks to go to an emergency. Yikes. Yikes. Yeah. Not as good as my meeting Burt Reynolds story, but hey, this is good enough. Now, hey, what, you... no, my favorite movie of the year is same as Dana's, which was, uh, well, last year, year before yeah. last, What's My Time in Hollywood. Yeah. And I just read the book. Oh, Mark, I haven't shown you that. Have you seen, have I seen my, my, where I keep my books? No. These are all movie novelizations. <laughs> oh, it's, like, it's like a magazine rack. It's like a it comic book rack. Right, but all these are all the conquest of the and this Fair. one's great. Young Frankenstein. Very nice. I have Young Frankenstein because uh, you can't see it here, but uh, <laughs> they had to reissue this and the reissue the poster because Mel Brooks put the golden arches right by the Frankenstein castle. Oh, okay. And McDonald says you don't have the rights to use our golden arches, so they oh, had no put way. on the. But there, I can see it right there. It's right there on the uh, on the book, right? There. Oh yeah, oh, look, maybe you can. Maybe you can. Yeah, there can they are. That out. I here. can make that out. Yes, absolutely. There they are, right there. <laughs> Very cool. And and the other Mel Brooks movie, Silent Movie, is a flip book. It's kind of fun. That's funny. I I uh, am listening to um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in uh, on uh, book on tape. Oh, who does that? It's um oh uh. Why am I going to forget her name? Um, oh, shoot. Uh, I can't remember. Why can't I remember her name? She's famous. It's a woman who reads it. Yes, which is very unusual. Oh, that, yeah, it's such uh, because a male-dominant movie. Because she does uh, these great sort of uh, embodiments of the male characters, which is very funny. Oh, but she's, um, she easily could say, what's happening to Easy Peasy now? You know, you know what? Let me look at... Uh, <laughs> Let me look at my Audible here. It'll tell me who it is. I use the Audible app, I'm not afraid to say, because Succotash is on Audible. Yeah. Just to let you know. Uh, let's look up. Uh, let me try to guess. I'm going to say Mira Servino. No. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to say uh, let's the see. girl that was at Zodiac. I let's see. Can I give you a Chloe Servini. Chloe Servini. No. Uh, okay. Jennifer Jason Lee. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Oh, she was in a Hateful Eight. Yes, exactly. Oh, so no, he, she, no I, would, I would actually almost listen to that because I really was reading the book too fast. I was enjoying it so much because it's the same to story told completely differently. Totally differently. To it's, like it's the perfect. ending of the movie is like on page eight and it's in parentheses. Yes. Oh, I remember the time Cliff Booth killed people in my house. Basically that. And I was like, and he, and I just, I just, even the stuff is sort of recast, like the the meeting with the agent happens in the agent's office in the book, not right. In and right, and the dialogue uh, from that, I mean, the dialogue from that scene is actually dialogue at Casa Vega with Cliff Booth when they put when yes. they go get their drunk, the old fashioned drunk, all that stuff about William Whitey, and that's I'm saying the name right. Um, it's all in there, yeah. Yeah. See, he doesn't waste it, but he, he wrote it for five years thinking it was going to be a book. Then he wrote the screenplay. So you learn a lot about Cliff Booth in that book. You, you do a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Not all of it's savory. Like, like Dana was knowing that was his favorite character. I said to him, 
Well, you used to be on Saturday Night Live. You were the cast member. You did the most shows. Then you did some movies and commercials. And now you're doing a <laughs> podcast with your family. Doesn't sound so bad. <laughs> I also like to learn things like uh, his his wardrobe is from uh, Billy Jack. <laughs> well, do you know right. that story? I know a lot about that. I know a lot about the Easter eggs. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's because when Tarantino invited Brad Pitt over to his house, to show him a movie, Brad Pitt showed up with Billy Jack at the DVD saying, I think I'm not going to play this guy, but it hit the essence of this guy. And Tarantino laughs. He goes, let me show you something. He already had Billy Jack threaded up and as a projection. Oh, really? Room. Oh, that's hilarious. So they were on. So now you're just saying he wears the clothes because that's that bad. That's fantastic. And uh, you, ah. you probably saw recently that um, Burt Reynolds had been, was supposed to be the original guy with the ranch. That Bruce Again. Dern Again, I have all the information. I have actually more information than most. I'm sure you do. Well, here's the but, thing. But you know what? I don't. I, quick. But I don't know that all of our listeners knew it, so I wanted to bring it out. Well, so. yes, uh, Burt Reynolds was cast. Burt Reynolds flew to L.A., rehearsed with Brad Pitt. Uh, they weren't going to do a scene for a while, so he flew back to Florida, and he died before he could shoot the scene. So, yeah. Quentin is very proud of saying the last thing he ever acted was my movie in a read through. Yes, and because I was, we thought we were going to get Burt Reynolds at the Throckmorton to do a Q&A. Oh, that's right. And we just, we just didn't have the date. Well, in the meantime, I put together a montage I put on YouTube, a tribute to Burt Reynolds movies, to the tune of dueling banjos, because it's so much easier to cut to music than it is to words. And um, after he passed away, I got a Facebook, when I used to be on Facebook, um, I, I got a thing, again, Gene Kennedy goes, hi. I'm the guy that does Bert's car uh, car shows with the Trans Am. We would like to use your montage to show uh, at these events. Really? And I said, call me. And I gave my number. And he tells me the story that Bert Reynolds, and he was with him on the plane when they're flying back after he rehearsed Once Upon a Time in Hollywood playing no. George Spawn. He opened up his iPad and he goes, and that, that was on there. No way. And Gene Kennedy hands his hands his iPad to Burt Reynolds. Goes, have you seen this? And Burt Reynolds watches it and says, "This is the best thing I've ever seen." Wow. And and a year after Burt died, I wrote a little thing, and I said, "Well, I heard from a friend, a mutual friend, that Burt saw my montage and liked it." And Gene Kennedy writes on that thread, "Fact." <laughs> <laughs> now, is, but he is also told me. Is that, is, that said, still, is that still up on YouTube? Of course. Okay, good. Um, we'll put a link to it yeah. in the show in the show notes. Okay. And then he tells me something that nobody knows. Well, he said he was rehearsing. He was working on his lines for that movie and went to the bathroom. And Bert came out of the bathroom and said, I don't feel right. And laid down and died. That was, that was it? Yeah. So, I don't feel right. And wow. then laid down. And... Uh, but he was very, very, very excited to the movie. And I don't know if that line was in there from the get-go, probably was, but knowing it was going to be Bert's line when Brewster starts to sit up in bed and Cliff Booth tries to help him, he goes, not everybody needs a stunt man. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that would have been so That sounds nice like it probably would have been. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, that's... Uh, my connection to Burt Reynolds started, of course, you know, when you're a teenager and he's the number one film star. He, the last thing I ever said to Burt Reynolds when I got to meet him, I said, thanks for teaching me how to drive. Nice. And I got to meet him in a very cool way. His last movie called The Last Movie Star, there was an after party and I snuck into at a bar and I waited an hour and a half and sat next to him, had a nice five minute chat with him. And I showed him pictures of me and Dom DeLuise and he was so sweet. And then some guy comes over and says, Bert, we're going to play My Funny Valentine. I heard you're a big Chet Baker fan. He goes, oh, great. I said, did you see that movie about Chet Baker that Ethan Hawke played Chet Baker? He goes, yeah, but they always concentrate on the drugs. I said, well, it's a hard story not to tell. And I realized I'm just talking movies with Burt Reynolds, not even his <laughs> movies. I was like, wow. And he, he knows a lot of film actors know a lot about film history. You know, Why is that? Because they're fans to begin with, I think. Like Alec Baldwin knows a lot of stuff when I interviewed him. I remember interviewing him. I go, let's do Dueling De Niro's. 
He goes, he goes, you start. I said, Serrano's got the discs. Serrano's got the discs. <laughs> Alan Baldwin says, we're doing dueling De Niro's and you choose Midnight Run? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, just so this, you know, I was at the uh, memorial for, for Carl LeBeau and what you came away for, from that evening was, yeah, Carl's right. We were so grateful we get to do this for a living. And all the fun and all the, just the connections you have, like me meeting Burt Reynolds, me or working with somebody, you know, it's just, there's so much pluses, you know, but it's a lot of hard work. And uh, damn, um, I don't know if you know who Carl LeBeau was, but he was a fantastic yeah. comedian. I, just don't, I, don't comedian. Know that all, I don't know all of our listeners knew about Carl, but. Uh... Well, Carl was an outlaw of comedy. He's the one where he, Sam Kinison died in his arms. And he tells that story in documentaries. You can see it online. And, but, but I learned a lot about Carl from the memorial. But, you know, it's a comedy. It's, it's a comedian's memorial. Yes. So Brad Garrett would say, your MC tonight knew Carl for 39 years. So you could just imagine the money Carl owed him. Would you welcome, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. And, um, and we heard stories like when Carl was dying, like Brian Riga would text him, like, how's it, how, how's it going? And Carl would text back, I don't appreciate your humor. Carl died last night, you know, things like that. <laughs> and then Carl would sit on him for an hour and, and, and then say like, well, to be honest, I haven't had an erection in six months. Then I saw your Netflix special and I haven't had an erection since. And Brian Regan writes, I'll put that warning on the next special then. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had something planned because you never know what these memorials like, would you like to speak? Right, you right. gotta be prepared. And I just wrote a joke. I go, I'm going to use this for another memorial. <laughs> my name is Mark Pitt. I live in Las Vegas, as Carl did. And his death is doubly painful to me because he was my emergency contact. <laughs> now, that's just a comedian writing a joke. I mean, Carl would like all these. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. the funniest story, the most poignant story of how positive Carl was. And, and again, come away with this with a positive attitude because you just you need somebody who's your peer to remind you that yes this is a cool life we've had so far so he got his first acting job and he's driving with his father to hollywood but he's cutting through palm springs and he knows where jerry lewis lives for some reason so he gets out of the car his dad's in the car he knocks on jerry's door housekeeper answers is jerry home no he's out of town well my name is carl i just want to say i'm doing my first acting job and i'm a comedian and i just want to say i love your dad and all his movies and that's probably why i'm doing this okay he walks down the, the driveway and he sees a kid playing handball against the wall it looks like jerry lewis's kid he had seven right could i help you yeah my name is carl i just want to say hi to your dad because you know i'm going to my hollywood and doing my first <laughs> acting gig and i just want to tell him i love him Jerry Lewis's son goes, okay, now fuck off. He gets back in the car and here's where the positivity comes in. His dad goes, how'd it go? Well, I talked to the housekeeper, told him we love Jerry, talked to his son, told him we love Jerry, and his son told me to fuck off. And his dad says, well, let's fuck off then. <laughs> how great is that? Like, let's just turn it, yeah, let's fuck yeah. off, let's go. <laughs> that was instilled in him so that's fantastic that's fantastic i i saw but the weird thing about carl i'm sorry i'm, I'm you know dominating this topic but i one you're more the thing guest. you're the guest well i i saw carl and sam at burbank airport two weeks before the fatal car accident mm -hmm. and i hadn't seen carl since i saw him a couple years mm -hmm. ago at laugh factory he was doing the midnight show he greeted me like i had saved his life as a child or something i was his best friend i'm like that's when you realize how your peers feel about you. You know, it's like, oh my God, he, we never worked together, but he knows me and he loves my act. He just came to tell me, you know, because we're in the same fraternity, you know, quote, this thing of ours. And he just gave me a biggest hug. So you don't know how comedians are going to relate to you, even if you don't work together. Like, I don't know why Brad Garrett charged me to be at the memorial. <laughs> why did I get the cover? Okay, that's another joke I couldn't do. <laughs> but, uh, but the yeah, thing about Carl not seeing me and giving me a hug was just, well, the comedy community is, and you know, I've, I've talked to a couple of comics that just go, well, isn't every business like that? You're in an industry. And the, I said, I don't think so. Because our industry, we're not working in an office where everyone's sort of moving around and mobile and you never see anybody for years at a time. And you still have these great connections. Do you remember Daily Pike? I, never, I remember the name. 
Yeah, so Daley Pike was a comic, and he's now a very successful photographer. Uh, but he was a comedian. He was playing the comedy underground in Seattle that I used to run. And I sold him my TRS-80 computer from Radio Shack when he was up there because I had just gotten a new Macintosh. They'd just come out. And he really wanted a computer. So I said, you can buy this for $100. So he bought it. And uh, that was the last time I set eyes on Daily Pike. And then I saw some of his photos on Instagram. And I saw his name. And so I messaged him. And I said, hey, I don't know if you remember me. We met in Seattle. He goes, the TRS-80. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to be talking about a car for a minute. Yeah, oh, no, I drove just, the TRS-80. No, just like a, the crappiest computer ever. But, uh, you know, the, that memory that comics have is phenomenal, too, a lot of times. Yeah, it's usually trivial and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, I love it when I have someone come up to me, tell me a memory of theirs of me that is so vivid. And I'm like, wow. I don't remember that at all. Like I was saying in John's book, The Manzelli Tales, we're at, you know, in Tijuana. I mean, when you're trying to get back to the United States, there's that just traffic jam at the border and Steve had to go to the bathroom. So he gets out of the car and pees on the side of the road. Like all these cars there. Next thing you know, the cop is at our window banging on him, taking you to jail. Can't whip out your penis in public. And Steve was already in trouble because the people that try to sell you stuff, the trinkets in the car, like give me how much for Jesus on a stick? They didn't like that. And then he goes to pee. The cop comes over and John writes that, can't we just pay a fine now? And I remember we all had to reach in our pockets and come up with a couple hundred bucks. And John did not remember that I went on that trip. Really? So I do vividly after hearing it. Oh, John and funny. Steve came to the, I remember this, John and Steve came to the Holy City Zoo to see me perform early on, like in 81. And they gave me a standing ovation, which induced the crowd to stand for me. And I think I got more work there because of that. <laughs> they were just doing it because they knew <laughs> so anyway yeah it's just funny i mean i've had comics come up to me and remind me of stuff that happened that i have no recollection at all but right. so very vivid for them for whatever reason kind of stuck in there yeah head. yeah the worst one is when they come up to you go this is your son uh, you don't want that from a waitress <laughs> that you forgot about <laughs> and yet we all have friends in the business that that has happened to isn't that funny? i've had a couple close calls <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, you know, everything was new. Comedy was new. Meeting girls was new. Going out was new. Having sex was new. You just tried to do as much as you could. Yeah, you know? and th there wasn't a shortage of it. <laughs> oh, when the first girl ever came up to me after a show and says, I know what you're going through. I'm like, what? She was about your breakup. And I realized I was just doing girlfriend breakup jokes. I have, you know, they were ancient. But they come up to you and like, and I, then I got, then I learned like, would you like a drink? You know, I learned how to talk. Right. I was not confident. I didn't go out in high school. I had one girlfriend in junior high. I mean, in high school, I was a junior and she had a green van. Everybody thought we had sex in the van. All I got was a hickey. <laughs> well, in high school, sometimes that was sex. That was, that was it. Oh, that was, yeah, I was true. It was like, it was like, I was all of a sudden in a Richard Linkletter movie. Look, I got a hickey. <laughs> <laughs> That guy is, just has a handle on the friggin' 70s, 80s, man. That guy, I watched Slacker, Days to Confuse, and then a movie no one talks about called Everybody Wants Some. Oh. And that's a, that's, a, that's a title of a Led Zeppelin song that he also, Days to Confuse, is a Led Zeppelin song. Yeah. But it's, it's another movie like Days where no one knows these actors. And, and only one became kind of a working actor, but it was just no plot in college life. Like, it takes place four days before the first day of college. It's just a fun little movie. Well, I really you know, recommend that one. One of the things I really like about Netflix is you get to see all these series that are made overseas, like in Hungary and stuff like that. And there's something about suspension of disbelief when you're watching actors that you don't recognize and you don't know. It feels very much like you're watching real people. Yes. Things, you know. And how many so, times, Mark, I hate, I hate to interrupt, but how many times have you watched the movie in the theater and then a comedian you know is in it, you're like, oh, fuck. Oh, it takes you out of it completely. He's not an FBI agent. God damn it. <laughs> I'm out of this movie now. I don't know a single word of it. Although I do like watching movies that have a lot of comedians that I know in it, like uh, what, The Informant. Rat Race. We got Million Dollar Mystery. No, not a, co not a comedy, though. The, you remember oh. The inf Informant with... Uh, oh, yes. Rick Overton. With, Rick Overton and the Smothers Brothers and all these comics are in it. 
but none of them yeah. were there to be funny, but they, they, they wanted it to have that edge to it. Yeah. That only kind of comics can bring to a dramatic role. Right. You know, it's funny. I was at the improv once. I'm standing there talking to somebody and he, he bumps my drink and my drink falls onto a shoe of this person standing next to me and it's Dick Smothers. <laughs> and he looks at his shoe, looks at me, goes, Oh, I thought I was working with a partner again. <laughs> and it's just like the only time I talk to Dick Smothers, he gives me a jewel. That's like, hilarious. Oh, thank you for that line. Now I have it. It reminds me of the Burt Reynolds Sinatra story where Burt's having dinner at this restaurant. He goes, Mr. Sinatra is uh, playing poker in the kitchen with a bunch of friends. Uh, he'd like you to join them if you'd like to after a meal. And so Burt goes there. The busboy drops like 30 glasses and they all break. And the owner fires him on the spot. And, and Sinatra goes, hey, come here. He just rolls up cash, you know, $100 bills. Here, I'm going to pay for those. If I come back in two months or two years, this guy still better be working here. And the owner goes, okay, thank you. And Burt Reynolds gathers up his chips and starts to leave. Where are you going? And Burt goes, I got my Sinatra story. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically all you want. It's like Kevin Pollack was playing poker with Don Adams and Eric Roberts and a few others. And Eric Roberts gets up to go to the bathroom and Don Adams, who says nothing the whole game, goes, better look at his sister. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all you want is one line from one event. And that's the other thing about story. Sometimes your line is the memorable line. Yes. Like I was at the Aria because uh, Tony LaRusso, when he was involved with the uh, Animal Rescue Foundation, which he no longer is. I think there was a blow up. He's uh -oh. a thing called Pets for Vets and it takes place at the Aria, but it's like, uh-oh, the edicts came down, masks again, mm -hmm. uh, six feet apart. If you're on stage, you can't, it was so awkward to do your first show in a year and I didn't do that well. But the previous night, there was a dinner and uh, Albert Pohlholz was at the dinner. Now here, I know you don't know sports, but he's a future Hall of Famer. And Tony toasts him. This is not only is he a great player, he's a great human being. Albert Pujols. Everybody takes a drink. And I'm standing next to Albert Pujols and I say, well, I don't know you, but I'll take his word for it. <laughs> and at that moment, I'm like, did I just fucking piss off Albert Pujols? <laughs> and the next day I see him, the first thing out of my mouth was like, are we good? He goes, we're good. I'm like, God, why do I have to say anything? That's so funny. Because when you're well, a comedian and they know it, it's like, you, you, you want to say something funny. So they go, yeah, he was good. Yeah, he, and yeah. I did suck that night. Oh, see, that's always that's always not. Ah, they didn't understand. They didn't oh, understand. No. So, Mark, uh, this has been delightful. It's always delightful to talk to you. Um, it's been I, a it's been a hoot and a holler. And uh, I, you know what? I think I should have you on again soon just to have conversation. Well, let's recap. Uh, YouTube, watch Carl LeBeau's story about Sam dying in his arms. Watch the Burt Reynolds. Yes. Music video I made. That's uh, Mark Pitta on, on YouTube. I make all these music videos just because I'm a fan. Yes. Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee is reading Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And The Manzelli Tales is my friend's $10 book, which I think you'll enjoy. One story I didn't have was Woody Allen was playing the Circle Star Theater. And Steve wanted to get an autograph after the show. And he did this huge place he's in the corridors where's Woody Allen's dressing room it's over there he's running and he, he finally sees Woody at the other end he runs over to him it's like Mr. Allen can I have your autograph I'm a big fan I, I came all the way from Oakland and Woody goes on foot <laughs> <laughs> and there's another guy we can't talk about oh see with can that shit. cancel culture yeah, but that's 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 not quite camp. That's like whose camp are you in? What do you believe? You know, that's a whole other situation. Mark, can people follow you on social media? I know you're not. On no, Facebook. I got off social media. I got off that for uh, mental reasons. You know, they okay. talk about the Olympics having mental. She has mental problems, sure. Simone, sure. and I'm like, yeah. Well, the thing with me is, I got tired of the politics. I got tired of like, don't get vaccinated, get vaccinated. Um, and then I realized it's all ads. Yeah. Like if you're, if you're, you're reading Facebook, it's like, oh, there's another ad. Then a comedian tells you where he's working. It's like, well, that's another ad. <laughs> it's like, I'm not, I'm not catching up with my friends. I'm just pissed off. They're all working and happy or their dog died or something. You know, it's just, I, you know, I, I mean, and guess what? I'm off it. I've, I'm up in my 12th painting already. Good for you. And I'll put Good something on, uh, I, all my paintings are on Instagram if you're curious. And that's at Mark Pitta on Instagram. At Mark Pitta. Okay. Yeah. I will, I will and the only and the only thing I want to say to end that because you yes. just said something that reminded me. 
is one time I found an old photo. Remember that campaign of Agent Cooper? You know, where is Agent Cooper from oh, Twin yeah. Peaks? From Twin Peaks. And there was a, have you seen this man? It was Agent Cooper. I put that, people putting it all over the world. So I put it on a, on a post right up there at the Golden Gate Bridge, you know, the Marin side. <laughs> yeah. And but, uh, Kyle McLaughlin liked it on my Instagram. That's my big claim to fame with Kyle McLaughlin. Wow, look at that. Look at that. You're still yeah. you're still in the fight, man. You're still in it. It was the first celebrity to like something of mine. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Mark Pitta. Well, thank this you has been fun. Much. Thank you. Thank, thank you for yeah. joining us. And uh, we'll uh, maybe we'll see you soon. That would be great to have you back on. OK, thanks, Mark. All right. Bye. Not really, because we'll still talk. But bye. I really don't want to talk. Thanks again to Mark Pitta for jumping into the succotash with me. You can find his paintings on Instagram at Mark Pitta, and you can find his videos on YouTube by searching for his name, M-A-R-K-P-I-T-T-A. As promised, it's time for our new expanded feature, the Succotash and Runaway Truck Ramp Hotline, where we feature calls that have come into the show, either about the show, comedy soundcast, or status reports on the hundreds of various runaway truck ramps found wherever there's a steep enough grade on U.S. highways. I see we have a call. Let's check it out. Mark, it's Phil Lairness calling. I uh, just wanted to let you know that the runaway truck ramps at mile 36 on the Massachusetts Turnpike uh, i.e. Interstate 90 uh, are open uh, and available and look in uh, perfect condition. That is all. Hey, hey, Phil Lairness, co-host of Chill Pack Hollywood, calling in with a runaway truck ramp update. Thanks, Phil. Finally, before we get out of here, we have got to get to the tweet sack. Yeah, hi, Tweety. I know we missed you last time, but we're going to go through all the folks who have been kind enough to mention us in their socials these past few weeks. Here we go. Minecraft for Life, the Jock Doc podcast. Laura Saner. Yeah, that's right. The wife of her very own Tyson Saner. Blood and Black Rum podcast. Zombie Bacterium. Greg Proops. I Shake My Head with Lisa and Sam. Al Romas. 929. Tales of Dice Jail, Pretending with Dice, featured just last week on this show. Monkey Magazine, The Talking Dicks. Mike Mitchell, also featured just last week. ZP International, Monster Party Podcast, Salty Language Pod, Let's Chat Podcast, and The D-Head Factor. Hello there, jabs. That's it for the tweet sack. If you want in, just put at Succotash Show in your socials, and if we see it, we'll mention you. If you put hashtag tweet sack in there, that'll make Tweety happy, and you'll get a special tweet out just like that. Hey, this is Justin Bieber. This is Gwen Stefani. Hi, this is Madonna. What's up, you guys? It's Nicki Minaj. We uh, we don't have any of those artists on on this show. Sorry, not not sure where that came from. Anyway, uh, that's it for this extra super duper sized episode of Succotash. Tyson Saner will be here with you next week for Epi 265. So join us again then, won't you? We may actually be a day late dropping that show as I will be out of town for a few days and I guess dropping them is my job, damn it. In the meantime, uh, time to mask up again to do battle with the Delta variant, so don't be a creep. If you haven't vaxxed up yet, what, what the hell? I don't want to plague shame anyone, but it is directly your fault this whole thing is dragging out. Does that make you feel important? Whoa! Calm down, Mark. Okay, you're right. Let me just say that if anyone asks if you heard anything good lately, won't you please just pass them the succotash? You 
You've been listening to Sockatash, the comedy soundcast soundcast, with your host, Mark Hershaw. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Rate us and review us at Apple and Google Podcasts. Find us on the web at SuckatashShow.com. On Spotify. On Stitcher. On iHeartRadio. On YouTube. On SoundCloud. And wherever fine soundcasts are streamed and or downloaded. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Suckatash Show. Like us on Facebook. Email us at marc at succotashshow.com or call into the Succotash Skype line at our toll call number 818-921-7212. You can also upload clips from your favorite comedy soundcasts directly to us using our direct upload link at hightail.com slash you slash Succotash. Succotash is produced and engineered by Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, the home of the hit. Our hosts are Mark Hershon and Tyson Sainer. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Succotash is executive produced by Mark Hershon. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the Succotash goodbye. This has been a Succotash Patch production.